we'll get through it quicker than that. Well, as I said, we are continuing on in our sermon series through the book of Revelation, uh, a, a book that we approach of usually as a mysterious book, a confusing book, a scary book perhaps. But I'm hoping even as we're only a few weeks in, we're starting to dispel some of those rumors, break, some, break down maybe some of those walls of resistance, of trepidation, of fear. This is a book meant to give comfort, not confusion. It's a book meant to reveal who Jesus is, not wor- make us worry about trying to interpret the signs of the end times. The end of the book is the same no matter when the end comes. God wins. People reign and rule with their God forevermore, free from sin and free from pain. Uh, we are now entering in, though, starting this week, to the meat and potatoes of the book, as it were. Um, obviously, there's the introduction where John sees Jesus, and Jesus has this beautiful introduction to who he is. We are aware that there are letters to the churches at the beginning of Revelation. But when you say Revelation, the first things that come to your mind come to my mind, right, are the bowl judgments, the seals, the trumpets, all these various images of cataclysm on the earth. That's what we're starting today. We're starting the beginning of that vision. So it'll be an interesting time, but I think as you will see, it's not as confusing nor scary as we usually make it out to be. I would like to read, and it's a bit more of an extended reading, I would like to actually read all of chapter four, because it's a beautiful vision, it's a beautiful start to where we're going. So let's hear the word of the Lord. Revelation chapter four, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you the things that must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and someone was sitting on that throne. He who was sitting was like jasper stone and sardis in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. And around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon those thrones I saw the elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their head. And out of the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the center and around the throne were the four living creatures." full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like a calf, the third creature had the face of a man, and the fourth was a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around within, and day and night they do not cease to say this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, he who sits on the throne, and they will worship him who lives forever and ever. And they will cast their crowns before the throne and they will say, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created. May God add his blessing to the reading of this word. So we begin here with this beautiful vision. After writing the letters to the churches, to the seven churches, John is granted a vision. Now this is the second vision he's had in the book of Revelation. The book is the revelation of Jesus Christ, a single revelation, but it composes multiple visions. 
we saw in chapter one, the first vision, John is teleported to see Jesus, right? The Almighty, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. We have here the second vision, and this is by far the largest and most numerous. It encompasses all of chapter four through chapter 16 in the book of Revelation. Then we'll have another vision of the end of time. Um, but this, this is where we think of Revelation. In this section, we have the seal judgments, we have the bowl judgments, we have the trumpets coming out of heaven. Uh, this is where, when people think of Revelation, it's this vision. We're just looking at chapter 4 today because I want us to see how it begins. Before we get lost in all the, the myriad images, all the question marks of what does this stand for, what does this mean, when did this happen, where did it happen, let's start where the vision starts in the throne room of heaven. It's a beautiful opening. This vision, when it takes place in verse one, we see, after these things, John says, I looked and behold, a door is standing open in heaven. There's, contrary to popular imagery, heaven isn't usually portrayed as having a gate that's closed that people have to line up to get in. Here we have a door that is open. It's being welcomed in and John is teleported up to come into heaven and the voice, this is Jesus from chapter one talking, he says, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. Let's remember that phrase. This is the vision of what, may what must take place after these things. It's going to guide the bulk of the book of Revelation. Let's make an interesting observation though. John is being told this is a vision of the future. It is a vision of the future, given 2,000 years ago. As we walk through these next chapters, we're going to see this is John's future. It may or may not be our future. Some of these things seem to have already come to pass. Some of them are coming to pass right now. Some of them may still come to pass. The beauty of what we're going to see, friends, and I'm tipping my hand to where we will go over the next few weeks, is a lot of the book of Revelation are the uh, labor pains of the end of time. Jesus describes his second coming in terms of labor. Ladies, for all of you that have gone through it, my blessings and my uh, admiration to you. <laughs> I'm not strong enough to do that. When a child is ready to come, you enter into labor. You go into, ha you start having contractions. Contractions look like what's going to take place when the baby finally arrives, right? They are just as painful, just as hard to go through, but they don't signify the end. It's just the beginning of the end. We right now are in the last days. That's what Jesus says. His first coming inaugurates the final days. We have then the labor pains of history. It looks like the end. The end is not necessarily here. The book of Revelation, for all these seals, these trumpets, these judgments, are talking about the labor pains at the end of time. But we are in the end of time right now. Let's recognize as we come into this book, this book is not necessarily about the future. It's not a guidepost to trying to figure out what does this event do? Where are we in the sequence of events? But rather it's saying here's what characterizes history. Humanity's rebellion against God. A lot of it has already happened, but it's happening now and it will happen again. It's labor pains. It looks just like the end and it will keep looking like the end until like a thief in the night, the Lord Jesus returns and the end actually arrives. As we, John is ushered up, he has said, these are the things that will take place, but must take place before our Lord Jesus comes back. And we begin in heaven. 
This vision of the throne room of God is beautiful. The story of the Bible, the more and more I study it, friends, it is a wonderful story because it, it at least fits with my aesthetic sensibilities. It ends where it began. It begins in the Garden of Eden, right? With God creating humanity, it's going to end with the people of God living once again with their God in a beautiful new heavens and new earth, new creation. We see some of that being forecast here. This description, as I read through the throne room, right? It's describing emeralds, it's describing colors, things drawn a scene. He's trying to make sense of this beautiful vision. And you know what he's drawing upon? The visions of heaven from the Old Testament. What Ezekiel saw, what Isaiah saw. Uh, this scene we can find, and I'm just listing a few of the parallels we can see. The precious stones that line heaven's throne room. We have the cherubim and seraphim who are standing before the throne of God, singing holy, 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 all the way back in Isaiah's time, even up to John's time, and continuing on forevermore. This beautiful vision. The 24 elders. The number 12 is used frequently throughout the Bible. The 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles. Most commentators, as they look at this, go, it's a beautiful symbol for the completion of all things. The 12 tribes, the 12 apostles, Old, New Testament, it's all brought together. And what do they do? What do the elders do all the time? They bow down before the throne and they worship it. John, before he is shown the terrible uh, events that are going to take place, all the sin, all the destruction, all the judgment that God will have to pour out on the world, is first given a context. This is going to be the story of a God who sits on the throne, who judges who is not worried about what's happening in history, who is not concerned that someone is going to throw him off his throne. He is sitting here in imperial majesty. The heavenly armies are around him, his people and the elders, everything he has created are around him, and they are giving him the glory and honor forevermore. For he is the Lord, the God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. This opening scene, friends, is important. John is given it because it is highlighting that God, not human power, rules and reigns. Remember the context of when this book was given. It's given to a church under the Roman Empire, the most powerful empire in the world. In fact, depending on where you were, you might not know anyone else exists. They don't have a, a globe that they could pull out and see that there are limits to Rome's power. At the center of this Roman Empire is Domitian. He is killing Christians wherever he can. Domitian is interesting in history because he's a Roman emperor that required his subjects to address him as our Lord and God. He had a bit of an ego trip. There's this power killing Christians. The church is going, what is going to happen to us? And because of that, John is given the vision, a vision of heaven where there's no Roman empire. There's no emperor barging down the gates. There's just God on the throne the angels singing around him, the elders gathered around him, and what do they say? Worthy are you, our Lord and our God. There's no bowing down to any human power. It is just our God, friends. Why is God worthy to receive glory and to see, receive honor? Because he has created all things. He is the maker of all things. Human empires come and go. History is characterized by us trying to make ourselves God. None of that troubles the throne room. It remains, it is steady. Friends, this opening is going to set the tenor for where the visions go from here. 
There is a God who rules and reigns. Not just over the course of history, not just over the affairs of nations, but over the affairs of your life and mine. That is very important to remember. This book was given to a church in its darkest moments. I said from the outset, this book I think is maybe best understood by those in those dark moments of life. God sits on the throne. The majesty and power of God, friends, I've never understood better than when I am suffering, than when I'm hurting, than when I'm afraid of the future. When I start worrying, I, I read the news and they're going, well, who's going to become the next world superpower? What's happening to COVID? Do you think Omicron's the last variant? No, there's going to be another one, and there's going to be another one, and there's going to be... The world spins out of control. It doesn't know where the future is headed. In those dark moments, in those difficult days, I hope you remember this passage where John opens his vision, the throne room of God. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God. There's nothing disturbing it here. There's nothing that God is like, well, I really hope future works out. The future works out like I planned it to. I really hope no one over, you know, overrules my plans for history. In the darkest moments of our lives, friends, remember God sits on his throne. He's there now. He will be there at the end of time. He will be there when we are joined in the new heavens and new earth and rule and reign with him forever. No power can thwart him. No enemy hinders his plans. As we need to remember that because we are going to see over the next couple weeks, friends, there is an enemy who is seeking to fight against this plan. But we start with the throne room that is unassailed, unhindered by this enemy's, pla uh, enemy's power and enemy's plans. This is my challenge to each of us this week. Seek to draw comfort from that. Seek to draw closer to him. Don't fall into the trap of the world going, you know what, this is how we're going to find security for our lives. It's in this or that booster shot. It's in voting for this or that political party. It's in putting your money in this or that type of account. These things give but temporary solace. If you want to find true peace for your life, if you want to find true comfort in every moment of life, remember the God that sits on the throne. He sits on that throne now because once he came down to die for you and for me. This is Jesus that is sitting on the throne. He is ruling, he is reigning. This book is gradually leading us to when he's going to come back. And the one who overcomes, as we saw last week, is the one who will eat of the tree of life. So rest assured with him, draw closer to him this week, and may that bring you comfort in the middle of our dark days. Can you bow your heads with me and let's pray.